0: So, it's raining today, and it's like this really nice, consistent, just, you know, flat rain. It's a really nice, consistent sound, and that's one of my favorite things in the world. And so, this morning, I sat on the back porch with a cup of coffee, wrapped up in a Hello Kitty blanket for about 30 minutes, because it was the first blanket I could find. I was adorable. But (laughs) it was... Was Bob's
1: w- wearing a Hello Kitty hood, but everybody. <laughs> his ears not. are sticking up. Telling you.
0: Um, it was wonderful, and I loved it. And I'm saying that because Thanksgiving was a couple of days ago, I guess, for people who were listening. I was really thankful for the opportunity to sit in quiet and listen to rain, even though I was cold. And in a silly yeah. blanket, it was nice.
2: I um yeah. It's 9 a.m. I woke up at 8.30 a.m., and so I just got out of the shower. So I did not have time to enjoy... The beautiful rain. In fact, I was mm-hmm. a few minutes late, wasn't I?
0: A little
1: bit. But you guys are in the same like uh, parallel. I'm. Uh, yeah, it's raining. You're in the same vertical parallel, but it's not raining here in New York not yet.
0: Yeah, every I time don't. every time we get a bunch of rain, I know it's going straight to David because it goes just straight up into the east, like to him. Well, what's what's going on?
2: What are you guys up to? I'll go. Um, yeah. That was a weird pause. I'm sorry. Uh, I am making another. Little table. This one is hmm. uh, uh, it's with Minwax. And I came up and it's, they have this new design color series. And so I wanted to make a colorful table. And I pitched it to them as this is going to be a table like you walk in the house and this is a place where you put your keys. And that's what it's, people could use it for. But it's not actually what I am going to use it for. So this is a secret. I don't, uh, people, it's not even in the video but it's for my music room um so i can set things on it i guess that's what a table is for but (laughs) the it's 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 got yellow orange red and and a black top all red oak dyed different colors which was basically inspired by the 808 drum machine so it's going to my room i don't even talk about this in the video but the colors this is this is this is for the podcast yeah yeah. So it's a it's a really colorful table and um this company they have cool new dis like you can take a base tint. This I'm I'm sorry I'm talking about the sponsor stuff, but I, I, I found it interesting. And go to the paint counter and have it tinted. So you can have any color of wood stain made for you. Oh. And uh they had like wow. you can get like semi transparent or you can get the opaque stuff. And it works it works really good. And just finishing that up today and it uses the same like colorant that paint would use i'm assuming so because i just dropped off the base at the paint counter and then went shopping so i'm assuming so wow
1: it's funny because ben recently did you guys see ben's post this week where he talks about trying to make white i happen to see i flipped through it quickly but he needed he did a couple of experiments on how to whitewash wood Mm -hmm. and I know Minwax and a couple of other guys make a whitewash. And it's always hard because it depends on the base wood that you're going to use, how white it'll look. Yeah. Usually it doesn't look, never looks as white as you expect it to look. And I was having a lot of problems with it once for a client who really wanted it to look white, but you could still see the wood under it. And I just, I said, you know what, let me try this because it might just work. I just painted white rustoleum right on top of oak and then wiped it right off. Oh, So we just... We just literally just rollered it on, and then wiping it off created like the, pushed it into the pores, hmm. and that was the best look. The client liked it the most, huh. and I didn't even they, I didn't even tell them how I got there. But they're like, oh my god, this is this is exactly what I've been looking for. And
2: hmm. you're like, yeah, I knew
1: how to do this the whole time. <laughs> pure white rustoleum, and just wiped it off with a rag, and then it left. And this was on top of white oak, and so there's a little trip for you. You could probably play with that even more if you, looks like if you put
0: down like a clear coat first and then did that. You probably have even a little more control to get it out of the pores if you didn't, you know, want quite as much. No,
1: with, when you do it with oak, it looks great in the pores. It stays white mostly in right. the pores, which is which is what you're trying to do. So, anyway, it, it, that worked out good, and that's that. That's another <clears throat> not to take away from from Dave's Dave's uh, pitch there, but the, you know, the idea of just putting a solid color on and then wiping it off is, is a way to get a, a tint in I,
2: general. I rarely work with oak. There's something about oak that I don't like, and I think it has to do with, um, it makes me think of eighties, like doctor's office furniture. I see that. And then when I was in high school, (laughs) it was one of the cheaper woods. And, um, so it was always the wood that I used in my high school projects. And it just puts me back in a, I don't know. I don't, I just don't like the way Oak looks, but when you, but when you color it or paint it, it it's, Perfect. Like you can paint oak black, and it looks great because it's because it has that that exactly. screen.
1: I was just talking about this yesterday with a project I'm developing, and me and the and the people involved in the project. I was like, we can make it out of oak, and then somebody in the design team goes, and then we can paint it a solid color. I'm like, exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But I was going to say, do you guys notice how maybe it's just me because Taylor is a little bit of a snobby designer. Like if it's red oak, it might as well be weeds it <laughs> might not be like weeds in the grass but if it's white oak it's like oh like dim the lights to bring the white oak in. we don't want it to feel like, to, but if it's red oak it's like firewood something about red oak taylor hates red oak but white oak it's like oh my god is the white oak in the truck can i go get it i'm like yeah okay let's go get it but if it's red oak it's like get rid of that stuff edit that out but yeah yeah no red oak has a very bad reputation for some strange reason but it, and this is, again, just a side, but red oak, they don't use it for boats. And there was a really good demonstration by Lou from uh ship. She, he's a boat builder. I can't recall his channel off the top of my head. But uh, Lou Swazelle, he, he did a demonstration where red oak, he puts it in a pan of water and all the the grain lines is like a reed. They're like reeds. It sucks water straight to the other side. Whereas white oak doesn't do that, even oh. though they look very similar. Huh. So red oak has these like kind of like uh, straws, for lack of a better term, and it, the water will go through it. That's why you don't use red oak in boat building, and you use white oak because white oak is strong and it doesn't have that that ability to to, to traverse water, or rather huh. travel, have water travel
2: through it, whatever. So we all agree, the three of us and all the listeners, that red oak is garbage. It's firewood correct? It's a, yeah, it's garbage. <laughs> right. And then, and the other thing you get it at home Depot. Yuck. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, the funny thing is for this project, <laughs> we got it from Lowe's and I only use the only two power tools that I use is the circular saw and a drill. And that's like part of the pitch. Uh, I, I put that limitation on myself for the video. Cause I wanted to be able to say anybody with any skill set could make this table. And we just bought the boards that are it's already surfaced all four sides and so I needed one and a half inch by one and a half inch boards that's what I bought I needed one and a half inch by three quarter inch boards that's what I bought and then I bought the five inch boards and it was only cross cutting so if Hmm. you if you're unskilled or you don't have the experience maybe maybe going to Lowe's or Home Depot is the way to go to buy firewood for your projects (laughs)
1: I don't I don't think that by the way.
0: Uh-huh. Too late. Just, you know, I really
1: I really don't. I use I use this is a, it's the problem between me and Taylor and I've also heard from a couple of other designers like, "Oh, is that is that red oak?" They "Is that red oak?" Like, red oak? I'm like "Well, it's from Home <laughs> Depot. It's it's fine. It's going to okay." Cuz you know, I really would prefer white oak. I'm like, it's getting painted black. It doesn't matter. But um, I always use the oak from Home Depot and Lowe's, and that's typically red oak cuz it's more plentiful. White oak has gotten gobbled up by the, by the barrel business over the last hundred years, it's a couple hundred years. The barrels that create whiskey and wine and stuff are usually white oak, and red oak is just garbage. So,
0: well, okay. So you're talking about how they they soak up water differently. Do they soak up paint differently?
1: Oh no! Well, I'm saying uh, it's no, not necessarily because it's uh, it's really, it's it's about like how it works in a in a boat environment. You know, where it's constantly soaked in water.
0: But if you're trying, yeah, versus- right. But if you're also trying to to paint a solid surface across the red red oak, it doesn't try to leach that through, like further. Oh in. no,
1: you'll seal you'll seal the surface and then Gotcha.
0: I don't know that I've ever made anything out of oak. Yeah, because you hate of- it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> I just don't oak think Cab. I have. I mean, I mean. I don't know. It's not something I've ever intentionally bought, and I've never accidentally... You know, you kind of end up with scraps from different things here and there, and I don't think I've ever ended up with any of it. Maybe I have. Not that I remember, but...
1: Did you ever break a screw in a board? Did you ever break a drill bit in the end of a board? Did you ever put a screw near the end of the board and the board split? that was that over. never happened to you then you probably never used it <laughs> 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 did you i ever do burn a blade there's... did you ever stick a, a <laughs> piece of wood in the saw blade and the the wood grabbed the back of the blade and shut your saw off <laughs> that, never
2: to you? that that's happened actually with uh walnut for me because uh sometimes yeah. you re- release the stresses in there and it pinches up on the blade and stops the saw um there's a it's one of the very first things I ever made, but there's a table over here and it's got two small drill bits inside it forever. It would never pass the metal <laughs> yeah, <right>. detector test. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. That's
0: funny.
2: That is funny. Well, Jimmy, oh, what, are you, what you okay you? That's okay. Well, I I did
1: my latch, and I know we chatted about it in a in a text message chain this week message yeah a week, my yeah, I my my latch for my chicken coop, which was it was which really was because i came back from california and i said i have no ideas and I have, you know, I have a notebook full of ideas, but I don't feel inspired to make anything this weekend. Talk about last weekend. And, and I said, what do I got? I got two days. What can I make? If I can finish the video by Saturday night, what can I make? And I said, so I started, let me make a latch. It's always been in my notes, do a blacksmith latch. And the chicken coop latch has this like stupid home Depot thing, which I can't stand. It always like bends my fingernail back when I try and close it in the middle of the night. And every time I do it, I'm like, I should try and make a latch. and, I went to bed thinking on it and I woke up Friday morning with a very clear idea of how I should do it. I looked at some images online of different latches and they all have this like castle medieval look where everything is like overly banged up. And so I wanted more of like a cleaner, more like utilitarian look. And so I saw one little dumb thing that inspired the whole rest of the mechanism that I did completely different same similar like arrangement about how it would work but I completely flipped the mechanism over and did it and that u-shape I put in the in the middle of the bar was completely my design and I realized certain techniques that I could try and practice that I've watched guys do over the last few years here at my house and you know various videos I've watched and so I just went right for it and that first little piece I made which I posted on Instagram I was so excited because it worked out just how I envisioned it as I was waking up I was like I had a couple different, like this with blacksmithing, there's always like 10 ways to arrive at a finished piece, but I thought it through how to do it without stressing the metal where it would break before it bent and so on and so on. And, uh, anyway, for me, it was a, it was a real big win to get that. And then the rest of the latch came together. Cool. And, and it was fun. I was good. I finally got to use my blacksmith shop to make something more than a knife or a spike. And so Mm. for me, that was like a big step in the direction of, Okay, what's next? What, like, what am I gonna do next that has more than one part and that's just sharp to kill? You know, like, what am I gonna do next that's gonna? So now I'm gonna make a latch for my machine shop, which is uh, an idea. You know, like the little eyelet ones that you just see like in like barroom bathrooms, just a little latch that's oh, yeah. just like the hook, the hook and the eyelet. So I'm gonna make one of those, but that looks a little bit more. Uh, I, I'm gonna make one of those oversized for fun, just to experiment. I might not even make it a video just because it's a little redundant, but. So I'm going to work on that probably over the holiday weekend when there's not too much to do. And uh, yeah, so I did that. And um, today I'm going to make another video. So by the time this comes out, hopefully this video will be out on Thursday. I, I have to say thank you publicly because there is a group of guys, you know, I'm involved with this thing called the Maker Mob. And we're putting out this knife that has my name in the handle. I've talked about it now for two years. We're finally putting it on sale. We have a couple thousand of them ready to go in the store on Thanksgiving. But by the time this video, by the time this airs, you guys might have seen about six or seven videos. We gave out a bunch of knives to the guys in the maker mob, Jocko might make one and a few other friends, and they took this knife and they modified it. And the whole point of me selling this knife is that you get this knife blade and and tang, and you could leave it as is, or you could modify it, or you could make a sheath for it. It's basically just a sharp piece of metal, and it's up to you to do what you want with it, and it's cheap enough where you could like pry open paint cans with it, and you're not going to be overly concerned about it. Or you could just hang it on the wall, and it comes with a poster, blah, blah, blah. But to promote it, a bunch of guys got together and they're all putting out videos. So
2: cool. I'd
1: like to say thank you to those guys. Because when Adam at the maker mob said, do you think the guys in the maker mob would want to do this? I said, I don't want to burden anybody with a have to do something. I said, if you want to give it out, it was Adam's idea. So Adam, thank you. I said, if you want to give it out, and tell people to just mod it and just put up an Instagram post at the very least, or even an Instagram story. And while I was in California, he tells me, everybody wants to do a video. It's like, wow, I'm, I'm honored. So I, it makes me feel a little humble, and so I appreciate those guys. Hmm. That's
2: it. I'm done. Thank you. <laughs> I want to talk about the, going back to the latch and at the beginning of the video and i don't remember what part of the latch you were making but you took that sh- straight bar and then you made two 90 degree angles and then you bent it to make that little loop thing yeah like the rainbow kind of thing that blew my mind I, I i don't know that i would have thought to do that to come up with that that particular shape so i just wanted to say there's some really cool shots in there and i was like oh that's oh you thank that. you the camera was off a couple of key times. How many times has this happened to you
1: guys? I work alone, so it's probably not as much as it happened to you guys. You, you compose the shot, and just the action of turning the camera on and composing the shot you think is enough, and then you walk away from the camera and do the action, and you come back and you realize the camera wasn't ever turned on. <laughs> yeah. So that happened to me twice while I was blacksmithing, but because it's a thing where I had to do like, certain actions twice... I I was able to save, you know, at least seeing the progress happen because I did one side and then, then I was able to do the other side. But that was a little annoying, so I missed a couple of key elements. But I guess nobody would have noticed unless I pointed it out. But yeah, that was that was where that was the vision that I had when I woke up. I'm like, how do I arrive at? I knew I wanted that shape. I drew it in my notebook, but I, I was thinking to myself, how do I get there? And that's when it occurred to me to just stretch out that thin part in the middle, and then upsetting everything is important where you so you end up with like sharp, clean corners. And a few people were fooled. Or people, like, uh, even a couple of blacksmiths wrote me, and they're like, before I described how I did it, they're like, did you, did you weld that together? Is that welded? I'm like, no, no, no. I was able to like, form that as one piece.
0: So what, it, what, do, I, do, you, I, I, what do you mean by upset? Explain that,
1: please. Yeah, upset means, like, uh, like, did you ever, like, stretch out Play-Doh, and then you push it back together? So you stretch it out, and it's thin, and then you push it back together. So, like, you know, the little log you roll out, you push it together, it gets fatter again. That's upsetting metal. You're pushing it back into itself. So when you make a bent corner like I did in this uh couple of these pieces on the on the latch, you bend the corner and it ends up kind of like with a radius and you gotta push both pieces of that ninety degree back into the corner to kind of square it back up mm. so when you bend it like that, you end up with like a big curved corner and by upsetting it, you're pushing both parts of the angle back into the corner against the anvil and that's how you uh create a full a full corner as opposed to like an empty curved corner gotcha. And I could kind have of left it curved. It's just it, it. It just looks a little bit sexier when everything's like pushed back into itself and square again. Yeah. So it looks like you've welded two pieces of square stock together as opposed to actually turning it. And of course, it's stronger because it's all. Not that that latch is going to be put to that type of test, but when you're forging parts for trucks and other like wagons and stuff, you know, when you're out in the uh, the black the ye old blacksmith shop forging tractor and uh, trailer parts. For, for horse wagons when you forge things out of one part it's obviously stronger hmm.
0: yeah every time i see uh i mean i i think that thing looks beautiful regardless of how it works how you got to it like the end result thank, the fact that it is you very much. forged and has those clean lines uh, corners that's something that i don't understand i mean there's a lot of things i don't understand but one of the things about blacksmithing that i don't understand is how to actually control that type of stuff like Every time I've, which is a very small amount of times, every time I've taken a hammer to to a hot piece of metal, it's just like, well, I have no (laughs) idea how this is going to turn out because I can't control it at all. So I'm just looking for, like, the mushiest, flattest thing that I can get to. But to be able to, like, actually control the curves and, you know, like to watch Alec and, and Will and people like that really, like, know how to get from one shape to another through several other shapes that blows my mind mm-hmm. how they like you stretch something out and then you bend it and then you turn it and then you push it back and then you bend it again and you're like oh look that's exactly where i wanted to be i'm like i i don't get that at all mm-hmm. yeah
1: and, and it's it's uh and i got that directly by watching guys and that's why i really like threw out some of my social media on it i really emphasize The guys that share their technique, it's amazing because I I never grew up with blacksmiths. I didn't know any blacksmiths. To me, it was just like one of those things I saw on a TV. It was a mystery to me. And I always liked anvils. I had an attraction to anvils. But then when I got my first anvil, I'm like, I'll never blacksmith on this because I have no indication or direction how to do it. I'll use this to like bend nails and bend sheet metal on it. Like the first anvil I got, I got it just because it looked cool in the background. And, you know, as I developed my friendships with certain blacksmiths and started to see how... How to do things? It's it started pulling me in, and it it's a direct result of me just exploring and looking and and uh, you know I, I don't you guys know Brett used to work with me Brett uh, Brett McAfee Skull and Spade Designs when he first started working for me he was really into blacksmithing and I always credit him with pulling me into it deeper because I, huh. he was the first person that I actually knew that was so into blacksmithing that he pulled me into it and got me to meet some of the other guys that I got to meet. So the the, Brett can have the credit for that. Cool. If he wants it, (laughs) can have the credit. (laughs) But, uh, what was I going to say? Um, if you really, I think if you wanted to find somebody in your local area, that's a blacksmith, and you know, go hang out with them for a couple of days. Take a lesson. You know, make a video of it or something. Yeah. You know, if you really want. But uh, it's funny. Eric uh, from Hand Tool Rescue made a comment under that video, and he just said, "He goes, it's like big boys with Play-Doh. So it's like big tools of Play-Doh." Mm. And that's really what it is. You know, a couple other people commented under his comment saying that is true. It's just like Play-Doh, but you know, a little bit more complicated. <laughs> just pushing things around.
0: And hot. <laughs> And dangerous. Scary. Um, Let's see. Well, for me, so we have a video coming out this week that I kind of teased last week, and I'm really excited about how it turned out. Um, So the video coming out is about making action props or stunt props. And basically, the way this came about was we found this material called Smash Plastic. I don't remember how much I talked about last time, so I don't... We did not talk about Smash Plastic. Okay, so we found this stuff called Smash Plastic... And it's made by um, Smooth-On, <clears throat> and it's a breakable plastic. So you use it to cast something, like a, a roto, rotocast, so you have this really thin layer on the inside of a mold, and then you can take that object and you can smash it. So if you ever see an old movie where somebody takes a bottle and they smash it over somebody else's head, they used to do that with sugar bottles. So they would do the same process with a really thick sugar mixture and it was this breakable thing. It kind of looked like glass, but it wasn't sharp in the end. So the Smash Plastic does the same thing. So that let us down like, oh, that'd be a fun thing to play with and try. And I'm like, oh, well, we could make a little action thing around it. And we can make some other props. So the video is about molding and casting. And we do silicone molds for three different things, three different types of silicone molds. And then we use three different casting materials. So we did the Smash Plastic. We did an expanding foam, which is like this, it's wild. It It's like you've used great stuff before, like you spray inside. It's like that, but it's a two-part mixture, and it fills a much bigger volume, and it's self-skinning. So it creates this, like, dodgeball skin on the outside of it, you know, that, like, Nerf kind of yeah. air, skin on the outside of it. Are you, are you using those, the soft stuff or the hard stuff? It's the soft stuff. Oh yeah, that stuff's great. It's awesome. It's I don't remember what it's called. You, exactly.
1: you want to know a trick to that? I don't know if you guys got to it in your video or not, but somebody taught me this, and it was mind blowing. If you pull it too soon, it it peels the skin off. If you've noticed, if you pull mm-hmm. it out of the mold too soon, if you don't let it skin and you know, if you don't let the skin cure. But this guy told me uh, spray the inside of the molds with clear Krylon or just a clear paint, and. The skin forms on the paint, and then when you peel it out, the paint lets go of the mold a lot easier than... Oh. So you spray paint the inside of your silicone molds, with clear spray
0: paint. Then put the foam in, everything pops out a lot easier. We used a mold release on the inside, and it it worked pretty well. But we were, for that particular thing, we made a cast of a full-size concrete block. So (laughs) we took a concrete block, made this huge silicone mold around it, ripped it out, broke the block away and then poured this foam inside of it, and I mixed in a black and a white uh, tint into the stuff, and it came out of the mold looking like a concrete block, like (laughs) just done. And it even pulled some of the dirt and some of the moss and stuff that was on the outside of the original block, stuck to the mold, and then got pulled into the foam. (laughs) It just looks like I kind of want to go get it to show it to you guys because it just looks so good. Um, So we did that. And so that was interesting because it was a big mold and it was a casting material we'd never done. And then the other one was I'd never done a two part mold before. So we made a two part mold of a crowbar, like a, you know, 18 inch long crowbar, and put an armature wire down the center of it and then used uh, polyurethane or urethane resin to make it. So it's like this rubber. But it's not, it's not as soft as like a silicone. It's like a kind of bouncy rubber. But it has this armature wire down the middle of it. And then we also did cold casting for the first time where you dust the walls of the mold with a powder. And then when you pour the stuff in, that dust sticks to the outside of the powder. And it turns out that urethane resin is like really hard to tint beforehand and it's impossible to paint after the fact. So... I'd never really heard of anybody cold casting with it, but I tried it with just some black uh, mica powder, that type of stuff, and it worked great. Like, the only problem with I had some... I didn't get the mold pushed back together, so there's some little flashing between where the two parts of the mold go together, and I had to cut that away. But other than that, it looks black. It looks like black metal. looks like a legit crowbar. So we ended up with these three things and then we made some other ones kind of off camera that are using the same things. And then at the end of the video, there's like a little action sequence which I'm super happy with how it turned out. And I'm super happy w- with the way it came out. It looks <laughs> awesome. You guys got to see it last week. Yeah, it, it um it was so much fun. We we like <laughs> had this idea for the action sequence and then Josh choreographed basically the whole thing out. We were like went back and forth of you know we could use this here and this here and this motion and and uh, and then we shot it and did extra lighting. I bought a smoke machine for it, so that was fun. But anyway, it's at the end of a 25 minute video, so I really hope people stick around. If you're listening to this, watch the whole video, please. Mm-hmm. Even though it's long. So anyway, that's what we've been up to, and that took longer than I expected because. All of the, you know, molding and casting takes a while, typically. Like, certain types of materials just take You got to be patient
1: with it, too. It's really important to be patient.
0: Like, with the bottles, we were impatient with the bottles. We made three separate molds so that we could make multiple bottles at the same time. And every time we did a pour, it was like one of the three might work. Or, like, might mostly work. Like, none of them were perfect bottles, but... Um, So we we just spent a lot of time and a lot of material just trying to figure out how to do that. Because basically you pour this stuff in to the open end of this bottle mold and then you just have to rotocast it. You have to spin it around and try to get it covering all the walls evenly while it sets up. So you've got about a five-minute window of just like spinning this thing around. You're looking down in the mold to make sure that you've got all the walls covered. And if you don't do that fully, then you end up with it settling in one side or in the bottom you get this really thick piece that won't break and then you get thin stuff that will break when it's coming out of the mold. So there's a lot of experimentation there, but um, I was not as patient as I should have been with that part of it.
1: Mm. <laughs> I used to have to rotocast a lot when I was doing toy business stuff. We'd, uh, you know, to save materials, we'd, we didn't want to make, we'd make hollow castings because when you're showing prototypes, you don't want them to weigh 50 pounds. So mm-hmm. we would make rotocasts. And a little trick that I would do is I keep rotocasting it by hand, and then I'd keep a little batch in the cup. So once like I keep see what's happening in the in the you know, the, the cup that I use to pour. So I'd always save a little bit. So I know what was happening in the mold and uh, I could see what was happening in the cup. Oh yeah. Gave me an indication when I could stop.
0: Yeah. It worked out though. Um and I learned quite a bit uh, between all the different things that we tried, the different materials and just the mold types and stuff. It was you know, it took me to school for sure, but I feel you, like I you know got to
1: you got to make a special trip to Frank bolito's place. Oh yeah, I want to. Oh, you, you will blow your mind. I mean, he had so many like uh, you know behind the scenes things that can't be talked about. He had so many cool things. I couldn't even like turn my camera on. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> we went when we did my hand in the molding room, which I'm going to put in the next vlog when I do a vlog about California. You know, there wasn't too many uh, proprietary things, but. It's crazy. He's got stuff from Mandalorian. He's got stuff from like new Holly big Hollywood movies. He's got stuff from gaming companies everywhere. It is mind blowing. Mm -hmm. The, The the precision, the you know, the the organization and just the quality of work that he puts out there is just incredible.
0: And he's done a bunch of different molding and casting videos and like just tip videos on tested. He hasn't done any recently, but he did quite a few years ago. And they're just full of good information like i learned a whole lot he's
1: really knows he really knows his business very well and he's you know he's just like a wealth of information and very easy to hang out with yeah yeah, nothing's nothing's a big secret unless you know it's somebody else's secret you know it's that kind of thing nda
0: stuff yeah um so that's what i've been up to is doing that and then you know we um just with holidays coming up and stuff, we we kind of finish that up, and then I've started in I'm starting into a couple of small little projects to try to um, kind of get ahead, so that everybody can take some time off and we're not you know crammed with a bunch of work to do. It's interesting though. I had like a a sponsor want to do something, and it was kind of non specific what they wanted, so I came up with a big idea, and it, it was for December, the middle of next month came up with this big idea that we want to do, and, well, I, t- I talked about it last week, the shed for my wife, the pottery studio thing. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So How is that moving along? Well, so that was the idea to match with the sponsor and the timeline, and then they kind of went, and they were like, well, can we do it a week earlier? And I'm like, no, this is a like a structure. This is a building. It's small, but it's a building, and I don't want to rush this. So basically, we went back to him and said, you know, it's just not. It's not a good fit for that timeline. I don't want to try to rush something. So here's another idea, another cool like kind of an art piece. Not something I do a whole lot, but we had a cool idea, my wife and I, and something for inside of our house. And got really excited about it, started on the design. This is project number two, where I'm like, we're going to do this. And then I go heads down, design, come up with ideas. And we do all this stuff, send them mock-ups. And they're like, ah, it's not really what we wanted. And I'm like, ah, OK. You guys are nice. I appreciate you wanting to work with us, but it's just not going to work right now, you know. So we kind of shelved that. And then they come back again. And they're like, no, we just want to do something. Like, it doesn't matter. We do whatever. Anyway, so we've got that worked out. I'm excited about it. But the thing that was weird about it was that those two ideas would not have happened unless there was this external pressure saying, like, Here's the thing we need you to work in. Like, what do you have in in the back of your mind that would fit with this product?
1: So you're saying that was a, the impetus or the spark? Yeah. Was this outside interruption? Yeah. For lack of a better term, then. So you're saying like that was basically like the uh, catalyst that you otherwise wouldn't have had right. to make these two ideas, which now are completely on their own babies, They're yeah. the, both their own babies. They're often babies that need a, a home.
0: Yeah, and they're not tied, tied to this original idea anymore, which is kind of cool, but it's kind of weird that those two things just kind of didn't exist beforehand or wouldn't have existed for a while, you know? Um, well, you know, it's funny. We, we had a little bit of a topic, but I kind of like this topic
1: better because let's say, like, in quotes, uh, the topic of outside interference mm. as... Like, what outside interference will spark something you otherwise wouldn't have thought of? You know, if I'm just like raw, alone, on a plane with a notebook, just trying to think of stuff. But then, this is why I always say, like, I said it in my TEDx talk, you could go look it up. I did a TEDx talk about eight years ago, where you need outside interference to help you come up with ideas. And that's a different type of outside interference, right. but you need like to walk through junk stores. You need to, cause otherwise you wouldn't have, you need something to spark something. It's, it's like, it's like a mad science lab in your skull where like there's all these things, but you need to like knock something over to make flubber, you know, flubber wouldn't happen right. unless these two things fall into one another, for instance.
0: Yeah. And I think if you're left in your own little bubble to where you don't have anything out, then you just will circle and concentrate, which can be a good thing. You can concentrate down and become like a better blacksmith if that's all you do. If you make knives, 100%, you get better 100%. at knives. But yeah, you're right. Sometimes having this other stuff kind of come in by accident or maybe you bring it in on purpose, it just, it like widens the pool of possibilities. The more inputs yeah. you add, the better outputs so or the more varied outputs you're going to have.
2: Dave, did you get to hear what we just kind of, what started this conversation? I had to step away for a second, I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, no, the idea, uh, Bob was talking about how a a potential sponsor came to him, and they were trying to work out a couple of ideas, and they didn't like the two ideas, but Bob was talking about how without that outside interference, he never would have come up with these two new, Uh, often baby ideas, which are both good and on their own right, and now they're not attached to anybody. So we just got on this tangent about outside interference or outside catalysts, that you either f- happen by accident or that you seek out.
0: Well, I guess it's it, kind of like the table you were talking about before. Like, is, is that table with those colors something you would have done had a sponsor no. not brought that to you?
2: No. Um, and it's, a, it, it's definitely a struggle with whenever you work with somebody else, whether you're, you're teaming up and uh it's it's a compromise between two ideas in a band or in a woodworking project or when a sponsor comes along there's the the struggle of like oh this is no longer my original idea i have to pass this along to somebody else and, and then we have to combine our ideas but um a lot of times i'm against that and then After the projects, I'm like, oh, yeah, I never would have came up with that idea on my own or because I have these limitations or because I have to use this particular tool or this Mm. product. Like it forced me to get outside of my own little creative box. And so, yeah, I never would have made this colorful table. I would have I would have made this table out of cherry or walnut and then I would have put a coat of oil on there and it would have been done. But no, I now I have this super colorful table and it turned out great.
0: Hmm. Well, Jimmy, what's a what's a thing like that that you've had recently where you've been influenced in that way?
1: Well, it's funny because I was just talking about uh, I had a I had a conference call last night and I could tip my hand a little bit. I'm going to be working with did you guys. See what April just did with Make 48, like she did a. If you guys have been following along, at April, April and, and uh, Brandi Obey just did a table together for Make Forty Eight, and it was all public. And uh, Make 48 is going around and doing this Forty Eight Hours with different makers, and they're going to do. I'm going to do one with them in Kansas City in January, and we got on the Skype call, and even though we had talked about it, I completely forgot what the project was until we got on the Skype call. And so while we're on the Skype call, I said, "Just remind me again what we're supposed to build." <laughs> and, <laughs>
0: I, I mean, I know, but in case anybody else here doesn't know, maybe you should tell them. I was
1: one hundred percent blindsided when they said, "Oh, it's a so and so," and I'm like, "Oh, yes, of course!" And I immediately began to draw pictures, and I kept holding them up to the camera. And then while everyone's talking, I began drawing pictures, and and it was just, it was like a sketch artist describing, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a, a suspect in a you know in a crime, and and it would maybe we could do this, and I'd be like. Did he look like this with the eyebrows? The right. Did he look like this? And so I kept doing sketches and holding it up to the camera, and I really felt like for a minute, like I did exactly what, like just to suit the, to fit the mold. And then while we kept talking, then I started going off on all these crazy inputs, and I really got a little. Even though the conversation was probably twenty five minutes long, but there was a moment there where, like, I clicked for me. And I was like, all these cool little things were being added to it where like it was almost too much. I had to pull back a little bit, but a Mm -hmm. good combination of two or three of those things of like, say, maybe the eight cool things I thought of that are going to be part of this project wouldn't have happened if I wasn't in a conversation with them. If they would have just said, oh, this is the thing I would have drawn that first initial drawing of it and showed it to them through a text message for instance and they would have been like oh that's cool but in that conversation we were iterating and brainstorming but i was coming up with most of the ideas only because my imagination just started to kick off they were kind of staying more utilitarian more like producery in the conversation and i'm not taking anything away from them but that's what they were thinking logistics material and i started having fun with the idea and and It was cool because even like somebody said, a certain material, oak for instance, and then I started thinking, oh, this would look really cool if this texture was next to that texture and this color was next to that color. And that wouldn't have happened if I was alone. And that's, that's the whole point of making that, that wouldn't have happened uh, if I was just sitting at the desk alone with the initial concept of make an X. And I would have been just like, okay, well, I, I hope that suits the bill, but being in that conversation and having some kickback and some feedback. And, uh, but there was a moment where it clicked for me that I was like, okay, this is cool. This, it's like, you know, when you hit a straightaway and you're on a motorcycle or a cool car and you're like, ah, oh, this is, this is why I do this. And, and, that's uh that's the feeling that i got and and it's important you know it's it's important to be able to get there whether you're alone or whether you're in a conversation whether you take a walk through walmart and when you leave walmart you're like now i know
0: what i want to do or you walk through you know (laughs) that's that's not something i've ever said before Ooh, walmart really made me figure out what i want to do
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know, because you're just looking at input, yeah, products, colors, graphics, old
0: people, you know, vests, you know, whatever,
2: <laughs>
1: vests,
0: whatever it is, masks, annoying Karens, whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually have the same kind of thing with my wife, oddly enough, like where we have, um, we get along super well. So don't, don't take this as, as not that, but like when it comes to visual things, we butt heads a lot. We butt heads on paint colors. We butt heads on design. She has specific ideas about what she likes, which is fantastic. But we have different ways of communicating what we like to see and what we want something to look like. And that's where the kind of tension comes in when we design something together. And so my first reaction is going to be like with this pottery studio that we talked about. It's a we. She had a general idea for the style of the building. We talked about it briefly, and then I just went and sketched something up. And in my mind, it was like, well, this was the output of that conversation. This is what it's going to look like. I, not, I wasn't forcing that. I'm just like, well, this is probably what it'll end up like. So I took it back to her, and she's like, well, you know, but maybe it should look like this, or maybe the roof should go this way instead of that way, and we need to move the windows to the opposite side. And I'm, the whole time inside, I'm like, but but I designed it that way. But, 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 but we talked about, you know, and I have that like, boo-hoo for me, I did a little bit of work thing. And when it comes down to it, it's way better because she had feedback and then I had to rethink, you know, and I can come up with all sorts of like, well, it, it would work better this way because of framing or because Windows cost this or because of whatever. The fact of the matter is it's a conversation. Two people with equal input it's for her. It's not even for me. So I should just keep my opinion out of it and, like, make the thing that she wants. But that collaboration between the two of us forces me every time to go step a step or two further than I would have if I was just designing it for myself on my own. Because I would go very utilitarian, very straightforward very let's get it done. Let's just make something happen rather than let's talk about it for a little bit longer, but Uh, it always ends up better because of her input and because 100%. I
1: had the same exact issue with Taylor when we were making the black barn in the backyard. I mean, we had Taylor and I both like very strong willed. So we, we have some pretty knockdown arguments and we had some major arguments over like the finishing of the black barn. And ultimately she won a lot of the arguments but i'm so much happier than i probably would have been if we went with my original idea yeah and i say that all the time like i mean it was her idea to make it all black i was thinking like red and white like a farm like a you know like a fisher play school toy barn you know gambrel roof she's like no we need to go more european style with a flat roof so it looks more sexy for the long term you know she's like we're not we're not going to be milking cows in this barn (laughs) and uh you know, the idea, so like I said, we, there was lots of details. The heated floor, which I was like, nah, let's just get a stove. She's like, you need a heated floor. I'm like, I can't afford a heated floor. She's like, make it happen. <laughs> anyway, we, I'm so glad we got a heated floor. So this is the exact same thing. And that happens even when we're just talking about, you know, when working with a company now, we're designing soap and candles and stuff. I'm going to be doing like a licensing deal with a company. And then bringing Taylor in to do a lot of the details in that and you know I I just need to know when to shut my mouth Mm. just you know because she's got a better eye for a lot of the things I technically can make things better but you know I jump right in and go for like the least the path of least resistance in many cases and go well there's a candle it's in a jar there you know and she's like yeah but you know let's let's talk about the finishing that jar really is kind of an ugly shape maybe it should be this jar and I'm like but this jar is already picked (laughs) (laughs) it's already done what that char you know
2: yeah you know. the number one thing i miss about working at the ad agency was the brainstorming sessions like getting four or five people in a room and then not having an idea of what this thing is supposed to be and then the wacky ideas turning into something that's actually usable and and makeable i miss brainstorming sessions with with other people and and the whole whiteboard thing that's that is the one thing I miss from working in a team environment.
1: It's- yeah, that's that's kind of what my my Skype call was like. My Zoom call yesterday was when I was doing you know it was basically I had the whiteboard, it's a little stack of white paper. But me and Taylor do uh, often. We used to do it in New York City, obviously all the time. But now Hudson is a, is like a little cosmopolitan town right here, and that's where Taylor's design studio is. So we spend a lot of time in Hudson, and we walk up and down Hudson Main Street and. That is what we call our inspiration walk, which she's like, let's go for an inspiration walk. And we'll walk. It's like a two mile strip. We'll walk all the way to one end and back on an evening, looking through windows, because there's a million beautiful shops that there's like some custom designers that do like pottery and glass and lots of antique shops and really high end antique shops. So you see these antiques like that are from like mansions that have been, you know, knocked down. So really cool stuff. And those inspiration walks are really important because I'll see. I'll see like a, a privacy panel, which is in one of my notes, and I'm like, "Oh, a privacy panel! That would be a great CNC project." <clears throat> but how to make it? You know, what can I do? Like, there's a, there's a there's a, a a privacy screen that's made like in you know Art Deco style in the 1930s. How can I take that, regurgitate it to do something that I could you know make on the CNC machine and, and make multiples of or whatever? Or I see one dumb little thing, and that gives me the inspiration to make a product that ultimately isn't that at all Mm -hmm. but i wouldn't have thought of it without that outside catalyst
2: those are my favorite when you see one thing and you can take that and turn it into something completely different like looking at a building important to, to design a little wooden box like those moments are amazing
1: it's so important um you know it's funny uh my my pick which i have to go look up when we get to it is it just popped up in my thing. You know, the phone listens to you and it knows what you're thinking. How many times did you go to send, like, you know how the iPhone now, like when you go to send a text message and then it it, it says, yeah, I want to send this as a text and it pops up with like 10 suggestions and of like the people you've recently spoke to do, you want to, do you want to send it to any one of these five people that you've been recently communicating with? I get annoyed. I'm like, don't you know that I'm thinking about somebody completely different? How come you haven't read my mind and put that person in the lineup? And I'm always surprised when it's not there because I'm like, I, I'll go to hit text message and just as I hit it, I'm like, did I mention this person's name out loud recently? Will it pop up as a suggestion? I hope it does because I'm lazy. And when it doesn't <laughs> pop up, I'm like, now I got to go find their name in the contacts. Uh, don't you know me better? Aren't you listening deeper? Anyway, um, I forgot what I was saying before I did I don't that. know. <laughs>
0: Well, you can think about it, but I I have something here. So talking about the whiteboard discussions, that is one thing that um, I I really enjoy about the guys that I work with. Like, you know, Josh and Anthony here in the office, we have a big wall that is a whiteboard behind me there. And it turns into this just scribble fest of like last week. And I can't, I don't want to tell you what the project is yet, but we had one idea for one little thing. And it mushroomed into like, oh, well, then it could be this. Oh, well, if we do that, then we have to do this and we have to do that. And we do, 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 do. and then we went through probably like four or five distinct engineering drawings on the wall. Like the mechanism is this. Oh, except for blank. So we moved over. The mecha- me- mechanism is now this, you know, and like really distinct ideas that follow a pattern. I would never have gotten to all that by myself. And so... That is a huge thing for us as far as making... When we have something that has to be engineered, something we have to figure out how to make it work, that is the best because Josh and I have pretty different ways of attacking problems and so we both go at it at the same time and there's this like ping-pong back and forth and we combine ideas and stuff like that and that makes it a lot of fun. You, uh, David, being by yourself and missing that out made me think like, well, how could people who don't have an office environment and don't have a team... How do they do that? How do they replace that with something? And then I remembered that, like, uh, once a month, we have a Maker Alliance, like a Google Hangout type thing where, I don't know, 30 people or something get on a video chat, and we all just hang out for an hour and we talk. And usually there's people talking about what they're working on and they throw it out to the group and everybody kind of gives feedback or like, I know this, this guy Adrian was looking for a certain type of LEDs. And so he asked about it and everybody else had some feedback and options and stuff. But what's really cool about that is that they, when I'm done with my part of the call, cause I can only do it for a certain amount of time. It's right before dinner. And so then I'm like, I'm going to leave the meeting open. You guys hang out as long as you want. And then I go to dinner. I go hang out with the family. What's cool is I'll come back down to my office like two hours later, and there's still a handful of people (laughs) on that chat, and they're just talking, and they're brainstorming, and they're talking about cars, and they're talking about projects, and they're talking about whatever, but the mechanism, where I'm going with this is the mechanism, the infrastructure for having distance... Communication and distance brainstorming sessions is there. It has been laid. It has been normalized to get on video calls with people that you maybe kind of know and maybe don't know mm. and, like, come up with ideas. Zoom, Google, all that stuff is there to take advantage of. And, like, maybe it's a practice thing where you just say once a week me and three other makers are going to get together and we're just going to brainstorm ideas. Not to make, but just to to ideate. Yeah, to practice, you know. Um so I, I think for people who want that type of exploration, <clears throat> excuse me, in collaboration, but don't really have the people right around them to do it, like just set up a meeting, uh, open it yourself and post it and see who shows up and then just start brainstorming ideas. Some really awesome stuff could come out of that, I think.
2: One way, and I've been doing this for a long time, to brainstorm brainstorm with myself is Write down all your ideas in a physical notebook, not on your phone, and then go explore those ideas from a year ago. And Hmm. there's something about like when you see like some, even write down the silly things and you see like, oh, shoes made of Legos or whatever, like that's a dumb idea. But then all of a sudden you're like, but what if I did this? So Hmm. it's like brainstorming with a version of yourself from a long time ago. And um, that works really well. And it's really cool to just see all these little field notes, notebooks all over the place with ideas from years ago. And so uh, that's one way. Another way is, and I don't do this enough. And as I'm saying this, I'm like, I want to do this a lot more, is just create limitations for yourself. If you're trying to design a, a, a thing to make, put on those limitations, like I can only use this material, I can only use this amount of material, or I have to use this particular joinery or, or whatever, and those limitations are going to make you think outside the box a little bit more.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I think the, uh, like working on your past ideas is something that I've found in myself too, and I think that works for me at least, because when you come up with a really crazy idea, it's because you're looking at something else. Like when you write it down, it's because you have this context and you're like, oh, I was in this place and I was feeling this way and I thought about this thing. And that's an idea and you write it down. And then a year later, you don't have that context anymore. You just have the line that says Lego shoes or whatever. And you're like, what? Like, I don't what was I feeling at that moment? I don't know. But then you get this. It's like somebody giving you a word jumble. Here's two it random words to stuck me, like, together. And to like hour to hour. <laughs> <laughs> not not, not I years later. write
1: something in my notebook and I look at it like the next morning. I'm like, what was I thinking? I don't even remember what that thought meant.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I think... And then I like...
1: There have been times where I have to like reinvent what I wrote down. Yeah. And that's like, a good what thing. What I wrote down was one thing. Right. And what I came up with later was something completely different. And I still don't know what that original
0: thought meant. But that doesn't matter, right? You're still ending up right. with... You, you take some ingredients, whether they're just leftover words or an actual context and idea, and you turn it into something. I think that's cool. That's a really good piece of advice. We're getting uh, on about 51 minutes. You guys got anything else on this you want to chat through? Uh, what
2: I think uh, just another thing is you're right, Bob. The, the the video meetups with other people, just friends is, is a great way. Someday when it's safe for Groups of people to get together, like find your local Facebook group, whatever that thing is that that you do. You know whether it's like woodworking or needle making or whatever needle making. That's not a thing. Needle making, but huh. just hanging out with other people other like minded people. You're going to yeah. naturally bounce ideas off. Start a group. Start a start a meetup. Not now. Wait till wait till it's <laughs> safe. <laughs> wait a little
0: bit
1: that reminds me there's a, a Taylor Taylor's design studio is over a, a coffee shop and they used to have a, a Thursday night knitting circle right in the window of the coffee shop and I always wanted to like stop in and it's like hey can I hang out for a couple because it looks cool and yeah and it's just like a bunch of older women I mean it sounds so cliche there are no dudes there and there are no really young people it's just like middle-aged older women there and there's usually about seven or eight of them and then the pandemic hit, and so now they, I'm assuming they might do it on Zoom. I don't know if they do it at mm. all, but um, it's unfortunate that once that kicks back in, I am definitely going to take advantage of that. Because I remember seeing it every couple, I think it was every Thursday, I'd be like, oh, I- I'll join one of these nights, I'll join one of these nights. And now it's not available, and I'm like, damn, I wish I would have sat with those mm. women one night. Do you know night, how to know at least I, you know, so many of friends over the years have tried to teach me. And just now, when I was in uh, in in LA working on the show, there was a couple of people on the show that knit, and I there was just no time to learn. Mm. I, I've I've been taught it a few times, and it just doesn't stick. Yeah. And I see people knitting with their arms. I'm like, what is this about? I can't get. I just need I just need some muscle memory.
0: Yeah. Uh, Jenny can crochet and she's done a little bit of knitting and it's she's tried to teach me several times and i just can't get it i can't hang on to it yeah
1: i can't get it and that's why i figured if i sat with the knitting circle i would i would be forced to come up with some results after a couple
0: hours well and i bet all those ladies would be super happy to pass on what they know how to do to somebody who's eager to learn it you know so right that's awesome cool well um i'm gonna thank our Patreon supporters. Uh, like we always say we're really grateful for everybody that helps us out over there uh, that you know makes the show happen and makes it so that we can turn down sponsors thank you for that that's awesome um, but we have a group of top supporters that we're really thankful for um, Corey Ward Albert's Woodworks works by Solo Chad from ManCrafting you can make this too Fun Kiss Artistic Creations, Blondie Hacks, Rich at Low in Designs, Make, Shape, Create, and Odin Leather Goods. That's our top group, but there's a whole bunch of other people who we are also very thankful for, and everybody gets the after show, and that's a little more extra stuff. Um, I was going to say that David could tell us about his secret project that was coming up that he mentioned earlier, but, well, not the project, but the secret use for the project, but he already gave it away. So there'll be something other secret something in the after show
2: (laughs) i don't know what it is yet but um, Uh, i'll talk talk about andrew klein's newest invention that is coming out this week so we'll talk about that fantastic there you go awesome are you involved with it did you help with uh i'm how i I have an affiliate code so like i I might show it (laughs) off in a video like i'm not doing it to promote my code i just i wanted i want to talk about it because andrew klein is a really smart dude and comes up with Mm. great ideas Yes. He's incredible.
1: Uh I was I I put, brought up in the in my store um the P.O. Poly. Poly. I just said while we were talking Pio. Poly. Yeah. Is that Piopoly? The three D printer and I think I'm gonna pull a trigger on it. Ooh. So I'll pull a trigger on it in the after show. <laughs> we've got to go to the after Ooh. show and find out whether i pull the trigger on a $4,000 <laughs> resin printer or not. Hear that, everybody? Oh. You get to
2: listen to him buy something. Mm. <laughs> we should do this every week. One of us has to buy something expensive in the after show every week. <laughs> oh, gosh. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I'll talk so, about Bob, something
0: let, I just, expensive that I just bought. We'll do that.
1: I, I, by, by the way, I just uh, I emailed Frank while we've been texting. I texted him, but it's early in the California. But, um if I buy this, this resin printer, do I just need the printer, of course, obviously? And do I just need the deft resin? And that's it? Um, Is there any other
0: of, like, accessories in it? Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about it in the after show.
1: <laughs> oh, okay, okay same,
0: um, The good stuff. Yeah, so big thanks to our Patreon supporters. If you want to join that, go to patreon.com slash making it. We would appreciate it. And we will talk more about resin printing in the after show. I got a good pick. Okay, what is it?
1: I just texted it to both of you guys. It popped up in my thing, and it was the thought that I lost before, but uh, it was how to build a castle. Mm. And it's a, a one hour, maybe a little bit longer. It's a, like a British research team. It's apparently a show that they do a lot. It's just it ended up on YouTube. And they are building a castle. It's a 25-year-long project, mm. and they're wow. building a castle and, like, talking about every aspect of building a castle. No modern tools. Everybody's dressed in period clothes from the the 1200s, I think it is. And how do you make mortar? How do you make rocks? Where do you get rocks? How do you split rocks? How do you make them fit? Where do you get wood from? How do you get water every day? A castle building process uses, you know, 100,000 or 100 gallons of water. Where do you get the water from? How do you like? There's a guy that just makes the mortar. There's a guy that just takes care of the wood. There's like, a, I keep using the same examples, but there's a lot more. How do you feed the crew? There's a whole thing And how to, where do people stay? A lot of European villages are basically the remnants of the construction village that was built around the castle nearby Hmm. and then it just remained a village so really cool stuff Hmm. and that's a really good that's a really good uh catalyst for a lot of cool ideas how do you fund uh, a
0: 25 year long project of anything
1: it's crazy patreon it's all made out of the earth obviously everyone's just volunteers everything is made out of the earth everything comes right out of the earth there's nothing there that is like from you know joe's steel mill or bill's carpentry it's like all from everything comes out of the earth it's unbelievable
0: like these castles were just born right out from everything that's around them i don't know about it if you know this or not but everything on earth comes from earth
2: <laughs> really <laughs> anyway mm. it doesn't just come from amazon <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm making my next project out of an asteroid <laughs> there you go that's true fair
0: enough there are things that don't come from earth asteroids all right, what you got, David?
2: Uh, so Wesley treat. Oh uh, uh, yeah, he, yeah. <laughs> I texted with Wesley last night. He, he's properly named because he, this uh, his latest video, which just came out today. I haven't watched it yet, but it, it's it it is a treat. It's the mini wiener grill, uh, and he sent me one. Yeah. He, yeah, he sent me one. It's it's not here yet, um, but it's gonna mix for some. I'll, I'll I'll cook up some weenies on on Instagram. Um, maybe it'll make it into a main video. But uh, it's, it's a beautiful little little project. He makes great videos. He comes up with good ideas. Check out Wesley. Wesley. He's treat.
1: he's a very he's a very funny dude. He's got a really dry sense of humor and, and a very very. He'd be a good host of like a, a science show. Oh yeah, he's a funny dude. Cool. Um, and, uh, just a, another funny wesley treat story when we did maker camp i met him maybe we met once somewhere somewhere i can't remember like briefly but then when we did maker camp a year ago the very first one he just popped up he's like i, I, I just had major fear of missing out so i just got in my car and drove here from texas <laughs> he just like popped up oh, wow. i'm like where'd you come he's like i drove from texas because i just had fear of missing out so i wanted to be here it was it was so awesome that he and he became like a big part of it that's awesome. Like he's like one of the founding members of MakerCamp, hmm. Catskills. Hmm. So, cool.
0: Um, so, mine is not a new video. It actually came out a couple of months ago or weeks ago or something, I don't know, from um, Smarter Every Day. And it's about trying to catch a thousand mile per hour baseball. Have you watched this one? Mm.
1: Yeah, I saw, yeah, I saw, yeah, I saw some of the, I saw the Instagram clips on it. It's unbelievable.
0: You got to watch the video. It. When you see the machine, I mean, he's done a couple of different things with this supersonic baseball cannon that he's made. So there's a couple of videos that where you can see it. I've seen it up close. This thing is massive, and the amount of engineering and machining and stuff that they had to go into to build this thing is pretty mind-blowing. And so then you see this thing in action, and they see if they can stop the ball that shoots out of this cannon through like 14 baseball mitts they can't stop the ball (laughs) just spoiler (laughs) alert it's crazy i mean it's terrifying but when you see what the damage it does but anyway his you know his videos are always great excuse me because it's this combination of just kind of some outlandish thing but then he explains why it works or why it doesn't work or how he got there um and and stuff we talked about stuff made here last week
1: right or a week ago yeah yeah, him and Dustin did that uh, baseball video together. He yeah. his his channel's amazing too. He's gonna be destined to be like destined to be like Dustin. He's gonna be incredible. And also, you know, uh Mark Roper, he's gonna be one of those channels that's just always, always hits a grand slam every time they go out. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So anyway, it's a good one. And speaking of Mark Roper, I put out a new episode of my brain pick podcast this week with Mark Roper, and we had a really good conversation um He's a fun dude to talk to. So, if you want to hear that, go over and check it out on your podcast player, right next to this one. Mm-hmm. Jimmy,
2: you look. Like I, you about to say I forgot what I was
0: going to say. <laughs> I can't remember what it was. I really had something
1: important to say. If I forgot it.
2: I thought right. Jimmy's video uh, feed froze up again because he was just
0: looked at the ceiling <laughs> and went, oh, <laughs>
2: "Yeah." Well, I forgot what I was going to. say. You can think about much.
0: it and tell us in the after show. Uh, big thanks. Everybody, thanks for listening. Thanks for hanging out, and uh, hope you had a great Thanksgiving.
1: Thank you. And thank you, everybody. See you next week. I'm thankful for everybody that supports us and supports me and everybody, so thank you all. Yes. Love you. Thank you, thank you, thank you.